0: We begin by acknowledging the Gabi Gabi people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast episode is being recorded today, and pay respects to their elders, past and present, and to their parents with children with disabilities.
1: This podcast contains truth, laughter, and the
0: occasional F-word, so it's not really suitable for children. Well, you probably won't hear quite so much swearing among the beans, you know. Well, Yeah. not suitable for children.
2: Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit.
0: Hello, peas and beans. It's the Four Bean Mix. I know we've been uh, away for a while, but it's good to be back. We came back because it's November, which in Australia, as you all know, is called Movember, the month when it's okay to talk about men's mental health. So we thought we would come together just for this one special uh, episode and talk about mental health, talk about our mental health, and talk about some of the things that you've asked us in your questions Thanks again, by the way, for your questions and for your interest and your feedback. We really appreciate it. So you're hearing, if you're not uh, seeing the video, you're hearing from me, Gary, you're hearing from Daniel, you're hearing from Dino, and you're hearing from Kirk, and we're spread round the world uh, at the moment. So we'll see how the internet copes for us. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us Um I think maybe why don't we just launch straight in and go in the deep end right at the start, and uh, I'm going to ask you a question that all four of us can have a go at answering to start off with. How's your mental health at the moment? How would you describe where you are up to at the moment with your mental health?
3: Uh, I don't mind starting on this one. Thanks, um, Thanks Yeah, mate. so, uh, well, first of all, hello, everyone. Nice to see you, uh, chat with all you gents again it's nice to uh, see the, the guys and um and uh, yeah it's really good to, to to reconnect again um my space well i suppose the other question i wanted to ask is um you know i suppose i go ups and downs and um you know if i consider a a month as a good if i'm if i'm in a good space for over a month you know i'm, I'm curious to know is that a good length of time considered to other people, or do people mm. consider their mm. space in like over weeks or days? And you know, like for me, I reckon it's I think my blocks are in kind of like weeks. You know, I have a good, good couple of weeks, and right now, I'm probably have been in a really good space for the last few weeks. Um, mm. we've had a few really good things have kind of happened, we've been away on holidays, Lexi. Uh, went on a school camp. So it's the first time she's actually been away from us for two nights and that was a huge success and there's so much things Excellent. that came out of it with, um, you know, just from volunteers that were there and just I think people just got to spend a couple of days in my shoes for a little bit um, and just sort of see, I suppose, a lot of the challenges we go through and things and how hard it is and how difficult it can really be and so it was really Rewarding for us, I suppose, just for other people to kind of get that experience and the joy they got out of the experiences that they managed to do at the camp with Lexi, and you know, like they got it through abseiling and things like that, and you know, just some really amazing sort of things wow. that they were able to achieve. So it was great, and you know, just sort of put us in while it was interesting on the other foot, being at home without Lexi and actually spending a couple of days without her and. And just going on, like you know, like having a different world of you know of not so much carefree, but just you know not having to have twenty-four hour a day sort of responsibilities and you know sort of demands. You know, was also another, you know, it was also the other side of the coin. You know, was also quite interesting. But so I think the last couple of weeks, or the last probably few weeks, it's actually you know I felt like I've been in a really good space. And um, the other thing as well is I've actually started seeing a psychologist as well so I went and had my first session a couple of weeks ago as well which you know I think came from Mm, you know I know from chats that we've all had and Kirk I know you've mentioned about um, uh, seeing psychologists I think probably we all have over some sort of time so I hadn't seen one for a long time again so it was good to start that process again so it's nice that I'm back in fortnightly sessions again to just sort of talk and try to um, you know deal with Uh, deal with what's coming up and try to be in a really good headspace you know because things are looking well works positive you know there's works come back you know tenfold and it's really busy you know I want to be in the right frame of mind to tackle a lot of those things and still live and still tackle my day-to-day you know uh, journeys that we all go through so uh, yeah I'm just sort of curious as well to know what other people's length of time of what they consider to be a good space if it's days or if it's weeks or if it's months as well yeah good
2: I question think, uh, i think for me it's it's i think i'm with you like it's a weekly thing probably um but also you know i can know that it. you know it's been a good it's, it's I've had a good run if i can't remember like the last, like what, like the weeks blend into each other, you know, like I get to a week and I look back and I think, well, it's actually feels like it's been longer than a week. So, you know, that must be, that must be a good thing, which I think is kind of what the last, at least like what October has been like. Yeah. For me as well. I do have the kind of um, foreboding, like the kind of dread (laughs) of the, of what comes up at the end of the year. I mean, it's, you know, it's always tough for just a whole host of reasons. Um, For us at the moment, it's, like, really basic stuff, like not being able, like, we can't find a Santa. There's just, you know, because Ivy, Ivy, you know, she needs to lip read, a beard obstructs that, she needs an interpreter. There's not many that provide that. So we're just kind of, like, cutting cutting simple Christmas things like that, which is, like, um, probably fine in the end, but doesn't, exactly give you a, a hopeful way of getting off to that whole season you know that's coming up yeah. so um there's a slight like oh yeah it's it's back to that time of year and you know it's, it's really beautiful but there's also this other level of stuff that you're gonna encounter
0: every
2: every every time you try to do something which i think probably all have in our own ways yeah so I'm a bit. I guess I would say it's been a good few weeks, but also a little bit on edge at the moment because I can see that's the next thing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, oh, yeah. I'm in a pretty good space at the moment. I, I have been for quite a while. Um, you know I think I'm in a fortunate. I'm in a fortunate space at the moment where I, I don't feel like I'm having sort of monthly lulls or anything like that. Although interestingly enough, I was working in the yard on Saturday, just trying to get the yard done and. I had this little wave of anxiety that came over me and just it second guessed myself and just thought, am I, am I all right at the moment? Am I in control of everything? And yeah, it, it passed pretty quick in it, but it's the first time I think it's happened since I was really struggling with everything. But then I knew I was going through something. And I needed help, but you know, I've been in a really good space. So it, it sort of just hit me like a wave that just came and went, which was very, very strange, but um, yeah, all good since then. But no, I'm, um, I'm in a really good space. I've been for a while and, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, very positive about everything at the moment.
0: So, to answer Dino's question, do you normally measure time in, you know, weeks or days or months or hours or what? What about that for you?
1: Um, not not really. I mean, I think the like Mike um, Daniel sort of touched on things are so busy that <laughs> weeks are flowing into each other, um, especially at the moment and and coming into you know the silly silly season. Um but no, I don't I don't really measure them. I haven't had to find myself measuring them for a long time. Um, I've been, I think really lucky with some of the the hard choices I made have actually had long-term benefits, Probably the main one, quitting alcohol. So I mm-hmm. think that played a huge role in the weekly cycle of getting through the stressful week and then hitting the alcohol on the weekend to cope with the stress of the home life when I was struggling. And then you'd have your come down when you'd go back to work after a weekend of drinking. So you'd have that sort of anxiety, feeling sluggish. So I think once I eliminated that, it got rid of that week-to-week um, process or cycle that sort of you were stuck in or I was stuck in. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and I think it just showed how much of a, an issue drinking was for me um, in terms of what effect it was having on my mental health. Uh Um, as opposed to not being an alcoholic as such, but just it was having such a negative impact on what I was dealing with at the time that cutting that out just was probably 50% of the problem right there because it allowed me to focus and get that mind, you know, straight where I need to focus on the mental issues that were going on with it. So, Mm.
0: um, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, I mean, for me, I'd have to say, to, to come to your question, Dino, I generally measure it probably in the hours rather than yeah, in right. You know, I'll go through a day when it depends what hour I'm in as to how I am, um, day and night, they're different. So, you know, and that's always been the case for me and I can dip into a place um for a while maybe minutes maybe hours uh, mm. and then be fine a little while afterwards so it's just an interesting question that you asked i hadn't thought of it that way but yes it depends what hour you ask me <laughs> so yeah, how I, no. Well, how i, how I answer yeah. and uh, and the circadian rhythms are always a thing i mean i always find in the afternoons four-ish five-ish i dip i go yeah. right down and uh everything that i can think of that's wrong tends to crowd out everything else and um that's been the way for me for, for a long time. A couple of you, you like you, you, you mentioned anxiety, Kirk, and you mentioned concern about the future, Daniel, you know. So I guess there's anxiety for me too. Um, but for me, my main issue at the moment and has been for a few years is grief or a few griefs, which I really haven't dealt with. And I just thought it just occurred to me today when I was, I had a quiet day today, a, a people-free day today, and I really need those, but they're the times when it, I sort of do a stock take and I have a think and I have a look inside and I see how I'm doing um, because I, I'm very distracted, I'm very busy, I'm very productive, and if I'm not, that's the times when I stop and just have a look under the bonnet and see what's going on. Yeah. And it's quite it's quite clear whenever I do that that I'm not in good shape. So um, it's not a case. Uh, like the things that I do to distract myself are good things. They're all productive. They're all helpful. They're good things you know, healthy things. I could choose some unhealthy things, I suppose, but so there's that, but it does remind me, you know, that, uh, I probably, uh, oh, I could probably do really well with, um, yeah, confronting some things and working through some things and cleaning up some things. So, wow, that was a pretty good 10 minute start we touched on so many things we could spend the next six hours talking about (laughs) you want to go back over any of that before we move on Uh, because it was
3: quite interesting what you mentioned there though gary because i'm quite similar but i think for me those my demons seem to be when i go to bed when it's quiet and when i finally you know like when when i've lost all of my distractions all work and everything where i'm just so distracted and so occupied and busy and things that you know I'm in a good space and I think it's when I finally go to bed and and actually you know it's dark and it's quiet and essentially saying good night and that's when my mind starts ticking and I start thinking about things and what's coming up and everything. and I think that's when my anxiety kind of sort of tends to want to kick in is that is that dark space at night time which seems to be my sort of demons for that sort of time when you when you you know lose all when you don't have all of those kind of things to stop you from going yeah. there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you guys? Know. Do you go, Sorry. Do you guys find that you uh you have a, a bit of a crutch too that you rely on to push those demons aside or sort mm. of get you glossing over them just to keep moving on? And and yeah. I use an example of mine. Like it was it was drinking every weekend because you, so I used to come home and know that I couldn't sort of escape what I was dealing with with work for that ten hours. So I used to sort of drink, work around the yard, and drink and numb it that way. And lately, probably for the last year, although not as much of a problem in terms of the negative outcomes, but I've just found that I've started vaping and it's like, I know I shouldn't do because it it's bad for me. Like you like smoking really, but I really enjoy the fact that it's like, I've got something that I can fall back mm, on, yeah. you know, and, and I'm trying to think, oh, I want to get rid of it and I've thrown them out a few times and then a few days later I'll be off it. And then I'll think, Oh, I'm gonna go buy one. Um, But, yeah, I'll just just maybe look into it more to think, why do I always feel like I need to have something there as a crutch or there as to take my mind off it? I think there's something more to that attachment. Um, But, yeah, just wondering whether you guys have, have thought about that or have something similar. Yeah probably not so much <laughs> um, probably, probably no no
2: i think i reckon probably yes although i'm probably just not as conscious of it as you are or maybe it's not just like one thing that's like ready to hand like you know if you're very, like you can pick it up right it's right there i think it's more like that um, i don't know if it's a crutch it's probably like just needing to blow off still like literally like just going just get out and just go somewhere you know take a long walk kind of thing, which mm. I do yep. quite regularly and uh, don't really put it in the category of blowing off steam, although it probably is from, like, an objective perspective. Like, that that, that would be, like, a crutch probably for me. It's just, I guess you could say exercise, oh, right. like, <laughs> not in a planned way, not at a specific time, just, yeah. you know, when the body is craving it because I guess it does come from, like, a craving
3: uh, mm.
2: kind of place. Kind of like,
3: so it's just like a vice really, isn't it? Some sort of vice that you, but did you find that you you know, from giving up alcohol, you need, it, I suppose it comes from just needing something else from losing that one thing. Did you find, like, did you start, was the vaping sort of comes after the alcohol had finished or was that,
1: were yeah, you also smoking
3: did, back then as well, like
1: chicken no, was with mates? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I've always been a casual smoker, um, and I was doing that ever since I was, you know, 16, 17, and it never picked up to be a full-time thing, but it wasn't It wasn't until sort of I quit drinking and got things, I guess, on the straight and narrow and, and fixed up and, or met under management with the mental health side of things that I started to pick that up, um, and it's funny because I've, I've always thought, yeah, I don't have a... a um, Oh, what's the word? Addictive personality. You know, I don't like things. And I said to ta- my wife Tara one time because she's like, "Oh, you're vaping a lot," and I'm like, "Oh, don't worry. You know me. I don't have an addictive personality." And she looked at me a little look on her face <laughs> no. like, "Fuck <No>. <laughs> off. Yes, you do." <laughs> and then and then I thought, "Shit, maybe I do," because then it, it started <laughs> playing in my mind. I, I can't put this thing down. Like, <clears throat> and, and if I have it too late at night, then I can't sleep because the nicotine obviously makes you feel awake. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, yeah. Works. So I'm like, there there are negatives to this, you know, and I, I know, but I'm like, well, now I'm like under that nicotine hit. <laughs> so, anyways, and now I'm going to try and deal with that, which is, isn't, you know, as bad as anything else. But, yeah, just uh, it, it's it's an interesting thing when I think about the fact that I'm somehow relying on it maybe as a way to cope with something else I gave up. But
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, I think the word crutch is a little bit loaded because it, it sounds as though it, it's kind of got a negative connotation, hasn't it? But let's face it, every one of us gets through the day by coping with things that are difficult Mm -hmm. and the challenges that are too much for us. Whether you call that a crutch or a a way of coping, uh, I guess, is uh, debatable. But to me, every one of us is doing things, using things, relying on things, if we can, that get us through the day. And if we get a chance to make those positive things or healthy things, um, well, why not? That's good. Mm -hmm. If they become self-destructive, I guess that's a different matter. Yeah. But everyone, whether it's Daniel going for that exercise, getting getting your body moving, getting some of that energy out, thinking, you know, that's a healthy thing to do anyway. So, you know, it's got – but vaping, I don't know. I've never vaped. I, um, I can't, can't help there. But no, I just start. think everyone everyone should be aware that uh, – well, well, it's probably to our benefit to always be aware that there are things that help us get through the day. And that's fine because no, that's everyone. <laughs> Right, but but are those things healthy and good things, or are they going to hurt us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, uh, that, we, that we let's let's uh, pick up from there and keep going. Um, Movember, right? So you grow a mo, you whatever, you know. There's it's very cute. The idea is for a month of the year, uh, you make the point that it's okay to talk about men's mental health which is lovely. That's, that's terrific. So that's what we're doing. My question is, why do men need a special month? <laughs> why do we need a special month for men to talk about mental health? Why don't women have a mental health month? I mean, there is a mental health day that's for everyone, but there's a specific month. So is there something intrinsically about men that's going on here, do you reckon? What, what, what's going on here?
3: Or is, is it the stigma that we, it's because we never, we never speak up and we never discuss what our mental health is and I think there was, you know, I think it's, there's just this thing that, you know, they think that I suppose people think, you know, we've never been open to talking about our mental health and I think initially it was a great way to, to bring it out in the open and for men to start speaking up and know it's okay to, to, to talk. And um, it's got nothing, to, you know. I think uh, there was a lot of men afraid of their masculinity by talking about mental health and things. And um, it doesn't. We all know that that doesn't need to be that way. And um, I think it's just a, a good way to, to open it up that conversation and, and get it all going, I suppose.
2: I, I think that's right. I think like uh, there's 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 kind of two sides to it. One is like the the thing where. You know it's November, and you you know people are thinking about themselves, or maybe you're thinking about like one particular person. Should I check in with them, or you know, as an as on an individual level? But there's also this like cultural side to it. And I you know, knowing that we were going to be kind of addressing this in the podcast, I guess, or thinking about November, I was on uh, a bus yesterday, and I was really struck because I saw a a poster for a health service advertisement that literally said. are you a man who uh, who has experienced trauma? Are you a man who suffers from PTSD? And it was a very kind of stripped down, like like not a jokey kind of thing, like a sensible kind of, you know, but in an approachable way, like it was nicely designed and very upfront. And I looked at it and I just thought, if you didn't have something like Movember having kind of expanded over the last, whatever it is, 10, 15 years, I don't think you could get a poster like that just up front in a kind of calm everyday setting with that kind of language. So I think it's kind of like as a culture, it's kind of like it's put a wedge, a wedge into things and kind of cracked open this bigger sphere, this bigger realm of discussions that you can have now. Mm. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. I think it's like something. you
2: almost need to have the jokey bit or the kind of, you know, the gimmicky thing as like a permission slip to get yeah. to the more, yeah. the, the bigger, more
0: darker, maybe serious thing. Yeah, permission slip. That's great. <laughs>
1: yeah. And the, and I guess that's what the Mo is. That's the permission slip. That's the joke around it. And maybe there's, there's a, a metaphor in the moustache, you know, it's not, I wouldn't call it on trend anymore. Like you think of, I think about back when early nineties and the eighties and I see photos and videos of my dad and all the dads with big mustaches. And, and that was awkward. I mean, they looked like gooses back then, but it was on trend. So there's got a, uh, whoever, whoever made up, I guess, Movember must've thought, let's make these guys grow something that makes them look different, makes them feel awkward. Because that's good for getting a conversation started, right? Hey, that's interesting. And I think it's just got traction then. And you know, it's funny. The um, one of the 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 juniors or assistants at at my work, he actually said the other day, "Hey, do you?" And he has a mo, like he's 25, and he just has (laughs) a mo all the time. But he's like, "Hey, do you want to like trim your beard off, and we'll we'll do Movember together?" And I thought, I thought initially, no. But then I thought, yeah, that's. I'm gonna look like a goose, but who cares? it's cool that this 25 year old guy who you know i don't know everything about his life but you know someone who's 25 no kids no mortgage like just a girlfriend you know you think you've got no stress as well but you don't know the story but when you compare him to someone who does have you know young family mortgage and all that they, they haven't got that additional stress but the fact that he was like hey do you let's do this for november together that to me shows that the initiative is getting traction when you've got the young guys yeah. on a construction site saying that so um, yeah, you heard that. So I'll, I'll probably uh, do it wrong and cheat and shave off the beard tonight, and rock into work with the established mow already. But <laughs> for those of good. you who know my my facial hair uh, ability, you'll know this took about this takes about six months for me. So <laughs> yeah. if I if I go bald, <laughs> if I go bald <laughs> November one, I'm like I'm half I'm like five o'clock shadow by November thirty. So yeah. I need to jump start. It's a
0: sacrifice, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you think of
0: the Mo, you think of the 70s porn star, don't you really? I mean, it yeah. was just a yeah. kind of a, or well, the 70s television star. They all had Mo's in those days. Yeah. They do, they look ridiculous. Sorry, sorry, totally. gents, if you're wearing a Mo um, and you like it. But uh, so, so I guess what I'm asking though is you're quite right, Dino, to say, I think, you know, well, all of you have said this. It's good to bring it out there, make it a bit of a gimmick. Make sure that everybody knows, okay, well, we can talk about this. What's wrong with talking about this? That's great because men perhaps have tended not to talk. Um, so there's certainly that. So it's great. Let's have Movember. It's fantastic. We, we, here we are talking about our mental health. We're going to talk about how we've dealt with it. We've already touched on it. I guess I occasionally get the sense from from some of the mums that I've known over the years, I ca- I don't think they're saying this but I'm wondering if they're thinking it um, are men somehow <laughs> more fragile more less capable with dealing with emotions with facing difficult times you know are women inherently tougher or something you, you know do you ever get that sense do you ever get that feeling that oh right oh men yeah they need some extra help because they're not yeah. they're not as strong as we are
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. Yeah. I, I think know. I think it. I think it depends how you look at it. I mean, if you look at the the original biology around it, the man and woman, and the men's a hunter gatherer and he's tough, and the woman is the nurturer. I think it's sort of it would show that the woman or women in general are better talking about their feelings because. For many of the years, or even still now, in a lot of cases, they're the they're the primary caregiver, or they're the, the ones that raises the kids, yeah. and, and they probably traditionally taught the kids how to have feelings and emotions and things like that. When the men were at work, or they off hunting and gathering, and that sort of thing. You um, know, I think those all those years of evolution will take a long time to for it to spin around. But look, I would say after dealing with you know seeing how my wife is with the kids compared to me, and, and just seeing what women go through in terms of Childbirth and the impact it has on their bodies forever and all that, and they build a resilience that men don't understand. um And you can be a really empathetic and loving husband. You would never, you never carry the key You don't get the stretch marks for life. You don't, you don't have yeah. the impact yeah. that I think that, has, and I think women have that in common with each other, and and they're, mm. they they can speak about it. Where you know men, men are guarded, and I think it's it's a shame. And you know it's surprising how much. After I've had my mental health struggles and started talking about it, how many men that I will talk to about that or say, you know, even people at work who, you know, when I, if I start a new job and have a new team and I'll just sort of say it's important to talk about that. You know, if I start the conversation, guys that I don't know very well will even say, oh, you know, I've had this or I've had this going on in my life before. But it just takes that one person to reach the subject and then you'll find a lot of guys will open up, maybe not fully, which is fine. You don't you know someone you just met, you don't yeah. open up fully to anyway, but for them to go, yeah, look, I've struggled with my fair share as well. Um, it's you just gotta someone's gotta rip that band-aid up and start the conversation. And then you'll mm-hmm. find that guys are a lot of guys I think are sitting there going, I wish I had someone to talk to, you, but I'm not gonna raise it first and tell yeah. someone I'm struggling. I need someone to start that for me.
0: Yeah. What what about you, Danny? Do you reckon men are inherently Less equ- <laughs> equipped <laughs> I,
2: I, for I don't know, uh, life
0: than women are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, what a loaded question. Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I'd say inherently, but I do think there's a way that, like, that I do think that there's a there's kind of a different way for men to, that men do tend to talk about stuff to the way women do, and I think women tend to are kind of looking for like points like in conversation with each other are looking for like points where they overlap and things that they have in common. Right. So if one said, you know, I've been struggling with this, then, you know, they're going to share stories. Yeah. Which is kind of yeah. just, yeah, there's a connection yeah. there. And I think for men, there's more of a tendency to sort of think, to, to think maybe, Oh yeah. I like to hear it from someone else and then think to yourself, Oh yeah. You know, I have that too. But what I've got, it doesn't really, you know, it's not the same thing. Like it's not, mm. you know, i'm i'm i've been feeling down but i'm not depressed like that like depression is a real thing for other like for other people like you know almost as like a kind of a an excuse or like a a defense mechanism or something it's like i i in order to be kind of strong and self-sufficient i don't fall into that camp though i I sympathize with other people is kind of the, the thing that in in my experience like men will bring to a a group or a, or a conversation like that's the starting point. They're always kind of looking for a way to, to fall through a loophole that you, you aren't in that circle. And I think, I don't know, to me, like Movember, it has like people I know, it has, it has kind of helped them overcome that kind of barrier. Like I'm thinking of specific people who kind of like, um, maybe the guy you were talking about, Kirk, um, had started off as like supporters in principle of Movember. Like, yeah, oh, you know, um, men's mental health is an is a important issue. I'd like to support that. Let's do it. Let's, you know, let's do the, the moustache thing. Not thinking of themselves as like one of the people who might benefit, but they're doing it for mm. other guys. And then, you know, have gone on for a few years, participated every year, and then turned around and realized, I oh, actually, I... I, uh, there is something with me, you know, I wasn't seeing it or I wasn't kind of owning it before I was just trying to help out, but actually I do fall into this circle of people who might benefit from, from this. And it's, it's like they needed that structure to kind of not go through the loophole, you know, or to come back into it. And I think that that's a really, um, complex kind of setup to get men to, to kind of um, face up to these things that they have in common with others who are, who are going through struggles that I think just, yeah, women touch on more naturally. They're more kind of, the, the culture makes it easier for women, I guess, to, to bring others into the fold and less easy for men.
3: But it's, I think it's also, um, I think it's harder to find someone who actually, you know, when you deep, get deep into it, Don't have a struggle, like really. I think really now. I mean, there's everybody is struggling with one thing or another, and especially after what we've all gone through. You know, we can't you know call it post COVID if you will. You know, we're still in the midst of it somehow. But I think um, you know, I think everybody has struggled in one way or another. So you know, I think just you know this whole. Mental health, you know, I think we, we all have it in some sort of way. You know, it's just some people deal with it a lot worse than others, and some people can handle it better or just not to some extent. There's other people, so it's, um, I think if you pretty much ask anyone, I think everyone's got to have some sort of, um, some sort of struggle at the moment, too.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's valid. I think it's no different than anyone, you know, everyone, male or female, through their life. They'll roll their wrinkle, they'll hurt their hand, they'll break their bone, whatever. And it's a part of the body, a muscle or whatever that is physically hurt. And, you know, why should the mind and, the, and that be any different? Everyone's going to go through different things, perceive things differently. It's about your identity, whether they go, hey, shit, I think I need help here or no, nah, I can handle this on my own. I'm sure some do. I'm sure some don't. Or some may let it go for five years like myself and then go, fuck, this has just overpowered me. I need help now. So, Um, but it'd be good if more guys in particular would put their hand up when it doesn't feel like such a big issue and go, shit, I think I need help. I better talk to someone or, you know, Mm. find a mate and have a beer because, uh, you know, that could really help it and stop it from festering to become the bigger problem that a lot of them turn into. Mm. Yeah. But do you mean, do you mean Gary, like, do you mean like, um, uh, are you
2: saying that you maybe Movember kind of belittles the problem or that it's not? That, that it's not a problem that men feel they can address without kind of um, making, like, belittling it in a way or diminishing it first.
0: Well, it just seems like it's, um, because it doesn't seem to co- seem to come naturally to most of us men to have this conversation and we're not given permission to or we're not encouraged to around the the you know at the canteen at work or out in the workplace or whatever generally speaking you're not really likely to find the opportunity to talk about these things so whereas it may well be possible that for the mums out there uh, when they get together it's the most natural thing in the world (laughs) to do and um so i just it it's it's a little bit artificial like are you okay day for example is 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 very controversial now because is that helping or hindering? Is that making things better or worse? You ask someone if they're okay, what the hell does that mean? How are you supposed to – how the fuck are you supposed to answer whether you're okay or not? You know, so there's that side of it. On the other hand, you know, it's probably saved lives. Uh, it's probably given somebody a chance to say, no, I'm not. And uh, so – I'm not against the concept, I'm not suggesting that, and I'm not belittling it, I think here we are talking about it, but I think it just does raise a question for me personally, all right, why as a man, um, what's going on with me as a man that would mean this might be necessary? And so, I just thought I'd raise it with you. I mean, over the years, as we've talked about before, um, I, I, and I know you, Daniel, have found this too, and, and probably... Dino too. Well, all of us have, mm-hmm. you know, we don't encounter very many other men who are dads of kids with disabilities because for various reasons, we're just not mixing or able to mix. And so we mix with the mums, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we we get, it becomes obvious on a regular basis how differently the conversations go when you're with mums than they do with dads. Um, I was talking to a counsellor, a counselor friend of mine, um, and I really do encourage you guys if you're listening to this, if you're a bean and you've heard us talk about counsellors and psychologists, listen, mate, just give it a go. All right? I mean, it may not help you, but I, it probably will. If you're a bit, if you're a bit embarrassed about it, don't tell anyone. Just go because it, honestly, every one of us would say it's been really helpful to talk to somebody who's had a bit of background and training in this, as long as they're not a dickhead. And um, <laughs> this counsellor, well, because you've got to watch out for that too. And just because mm-hmm. someone's got a counselling degree doesn't mean that they're no. not a dickhead. But if you find someone who isn't, then, then obviously it's, it's worth it. But this counsellor said to me, um, you know, most men have been wounded by other men. It's men that have done the wounding. And so if you're a man and you've been wounded, you're going to go through life and um, you know, holding in that wound, binding it up, not letting on because it hurts. and it's the men that you mix with who may well be the ones who've contributed to it or caused it to happen. So whereas more often than not, women are able to find their own tribe. So look, um, yeah, let's 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 unless you wanted to continue with that, um, I think that was really valuable for mm-hmm. me. So thank you for answering that. Uh, We had a really interesting question come in uh, from a listener a while back who wanted to remain anonymous, and we did answer part of this question, but we didn't get to the end of it. And I thought it might be really another angle on this for now, especially for our boys, for our sons. You know, the question was, how do you make it so that your children, both daughters and sons, but how do you make it so that your children know that taking care of their mental health is important so they will do so without shame as they get older? which I thought was an excellent question. Mm. What do you reckon about that one?
3: Uh, It's a pretty hard question too, you know, because I know, I I think I know from, you know, my little outbursts of when I was feeling a lot of pressure and uh, going through some sort of rougher stages that, you know, my outbursts, you know, would Trigger, and I'd just be, you know, I'd just lose my shit really easily, and I'd yell. And then, you know, and then it's when you realize that you're doing it in front of the kids, and uh, that you're showing these kind of glimpses of so much weakness, but you know, that you're that you are that you are sort of struggling, and it's sort of showing, and it's you know, see, so I know I'm trying. My best now to, to you know only enforce positive kind of reinforcements with my kids and you know and that starts from me you know it's 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 the way that uh, I now have to open up to them and you know explain to them um, that you know that you know it can be tough you know sometimes and there are there are tough situations that we all go through and and you know I think communicating is definitely the the best way to be sort of dealing with rather than sort of bottling it up inside me before it, and to the point where I just kind of break and crack and and let it all out and you know and that's usually the the bit the the parts that I really want you know that I'm trying to avoid now in front of in front of the, the kids mainly
2: I think it's really it's really tough because there are, there are two parts to that question one is a bit about shame like how do you make kind of the issue not have not not be a shaming issue and the other part is like i I can't remember the wording but it was something like how did how do you make sure that you're taking care of your your own mental health so there's like a self-awareness kind of thing there as well and i honestly personally like i'm not sure i can answer to that bit like i feel very bad at being self-aware in this respect and i actually think that that's certainly in my case at least like that's part of the mental illness is that you are you, you, you are, you, you're maybe aware, but you're not going to do anything about it, or you're not aware. You need another person there to point it out to you and to ask. So I feel like I'm a very bad guide in that respect for, for Mike. But um, the shame, the issue of shame, just addressing that, I think we try to do all we can to kind of really be just matter of fact, um, upfront, explain simply and clearly. Um, as w- in, in kind of as direct a way as possible. I mean, basically, I think it just comes down to that principle of like with a lot of things, kids will notice. They will notice and they will have questions. And yeah. our outlook here at least is if they are old enough to ask the question, they're old enough to deserve a simple and direct answer yeah. because if you're evasive about it, that's where the shame, that's where it comes from, this idea that you can't talk dire- directly about something, you know, that there's something shameful or something to be hidden comes from comes from that. So I think, yeah.
0: Yeah. you
2: know, when it, when it is one of us who needs to kind of address the subject with Ivy, it's, you know, I think we start from the physical, like here's how, like there's something in, in my body I'm feeling very tired or I'm feeling whatever, like try to explain it in physical terms and so that she can understand because she will have had those feelings at least and then say move from there to kind of be a bit more matter of fact about you know but it's not just I'm not just tired because I've gone for a long run or whatever it's there are these other things going on and just being plain and simple about the things that are on my plate that she might not be aware of which is good because then she she has a better kind of understanding of you know adult life and what it's like and um after just describing that then kind of giving a sense of like what I, or if we're talking about another person, because sometimes we are talking about other people's mental health of like what they might need to make them feel better. And it's not, I don't think we talk about it in terms of recovery or improvement, just like what is the next small thing that will make this person feel a little bit better, right? Not on a huge trajectory, but like now, what can we do now? Um, And, and kind of, in a way kind of i guess connecting back to what kirk was saying like you know people will have rolled ankles people will have all sorts of like minor bodily ailments like what can what can we do practically to help this person feel better like treating treating their body in this moment like to, to make them more comfortable and i think when we talk about it that way it's not it's it, it i mean it's literally out in the open then like it's something that you're looking at with your eyes and you're thinking about what can i do like Uh, right now physically tangibly um even if it means stepping back and it's not then this kind of abstract hush hush thing that that has like still question marks lingering over it it's a different it's it's Mm. it's, it may still be complex but it's not it's not taboo it's not shame it's just matter of fact
1: yeah Mm. um i guess in our family we we were very mindful that we knew that willow his diagnosis was going to have a lot more. Well, her her conditions and things were going to need a lot more time put into her. So we're very mindful that Ava, our eldest, knew early on that mm. um, that we were going to check in on her to make sure if she was feeling, you know, sad that she maybe what well, doesn't seem like she was getting much, as much attention early on, and and the reason why that it seemed like Willow was getting all the attention. So I think we started that early on for her to, you know tell us how she was feeling rather than try and bottle anything up. I think then the, the whole mental health, uh, for her came around when I had my breakdown and the way I handled that was so poorly that she, like, the kids couldn't not notice, you know, one day I was there the next day I'd left. Um, and they didn't know why. So I couldn't hide from that. Um, Tara and I couldn't hide from what they saw. Um, so I guess I had to be very upfront with them to say what had happened, why I left for a week, that yeah. um, they didn't do anything wrong, and you know, whilst now taking a tablet a day, and you know, I called them "daddy's crazy pills," and I, I sort of made it—it's bit of into a joke. they you know, I'm taking my crazy pills, and they thought it was funny. But I, I think now I look back on that when that question was asked, and I, I think I called it "daddy's crazy pills" because it made a bit of a, a, a bit of humour around what was serious, but something that you know I was ashamed of the way I acted in that moment and the way I handled it. So, um, you know, they became daddy's crazy girls, which you don't call them anymore. I just, I take them now and no one even notices. But, um, you know, and I think that that what I put them through only helped the situation in terms of awareness around mental health for the family unit. Um, so from that moment, it's it's been very much spoken about and, and we're, we're very make, we very make sure we check in with Ava a lot because she's, she's quite an emotional person anyway. Um, she really cares about people's feelings and things, and um, you know Willow, she's pretty brutal. India's only five, so she, she, she'll get there. I'm sure she'll turn emotional, uh, as girls do. But um, yeah, I think I think we have a really healthy awareness in the family now because of things that have happened that we couldn't hide from or sleep under the rug, which we had to just address with them, and for the better that. We do have a healthy sort of relationship with it now in the family, but, yeah, unfortunately, we went the wrong way to get there. I did, but, um, yeah, I think we're in a good state for that, moving into those, you know, teenage girl years, which are going to be fun.
0: Well, speaking of teenage years, I mean, obviously the question relates so much to how old the child is at the time and how much Mm -hmm. the awareness they have with their own particular needs and disabilities or whatever, and we try to calibrate, the conversations don't we according to what's appropriate for them we won't always get it right but that's what we're trying to do and and the older and more self-confident and capable they are the more you give the opportunity for the other person to take the lead or take the initiative to make the mistakes to learn things whereas early on you do have to be a bit more protective but I, um, I, it's good to hear you guys talking about the way you've done this together you know you've thought about this together you've got a strategy you've you're on the same team, and I think that's critical. Mm. I mean, I've, I've often, I, yeah, I had to say to our two kids, uh, Christopher, I think when I started seeing a counsellor because I'd hit the wall, Christopher was, I think, 15, 14. Catherine was two years younger, and I made the specific point. I said to them, look, I'm now sharing a shrink, and I've, I've often talked about seeing my shrink because that's a fun word and um, kind of makes it a little bit less uh, ominous and I've said, look, I've just haven't been okay. I really need to work some things through. But I want you to make—I sh- want to make sure you understand that this is not because of anything, you know, that you're responsible for. It's not. It's not. This is me. Um, kids tend to assume that they're the ones at fault when they're surrounded by these powerful adults and things going wrong. Something they've done has is ro- wrong, and has, so you make you reassure them as time goes on, you can say more and more to the point where now, and I've I've talked to Christopher about this. He's now seeing a counselor. He's now seeing a psychologist. He's 26 now. And, um, he's really been struggling with some, some issues, but he's very upfront about it and, and not ashamed at all to say, yeah, I saw my account. He calls him a shrink uh, the other day. (laughs) And, um, these are the things we've been talking about. And then, uh, I will come back in kind. So, I guess if the if the questioner was asking about you know how we kind of help our kids to get to that point, depending on their own capacity and their own ability, I suppose we're trying to set an example. We're trying to we're trying to live out what we would hope they might live out eventually, and you know um, not be if we don't want them to feel shame, you know, then don't treat it with shame ourselves. Um, mm. But um, yeah, I, I love that. I love that emphasis you were talking about there, Daniel, about how your body feels, like what what do you feel in your body? Because isn't that such an important, you know, you know mm-hmm. part of the whole mix, this mental health thing is it shows up in your body? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Hmm.
1: Just, um, I guess just on that too, you know, Gary, you mentioned that I think you said you went and saw a shrink when, I think Christopher was around 15. Yeah. Um, how long before that moment when you did take yourself off did you know you should have actually spoke to someone? Like, did yeah. you know five years earlier, shit, I'm struggling I probably need to speak to someone, and then all of a sudden another year went past and you hadn't done it, and then it just got yeah. to a point where you're like, shit, I've hit the wall.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew for two or three years at least that I was in trouble. Yeah. 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 And, and I and
1: – Yeah. Yeah. I didn't 32. do – and did nothing about it, right? And I think how do we? I think that's something we need to we yeah. need to bridge with guys. Yep. It's one thing for them to talk about it, but it's it's another thing for them to when they acknowledge it, and that's that's the key. When they realise the yeah. I'm not I'm struggling a bit in my head here, and then they go I'm going to act on it, and then they save those two, three, five years of it festering or snowballing to get to a point where they hit the wall. Trying to eliminate that part where they don't have to hit the wall, and then I honestly think that if if we can get that change, then you'll find so many more marriages will, and families will stay together. Yeah. Because like like women seem to do, if it's an issue, they'll voice it and it, it gets resolved. Where men let it sit and fester, and what what started as as mo- maybe not even a real big issue over four, five, six, ten years becomes so big in their head, um, and and potentially physically, because they're so depressed with it and things like that, and they might have picked up habits to try and cope with it, that it's so far gone, which something that could have been addressed within the first six months of them knowing I'm struggling for some reason, but I can deal with this myself. Oh, I can handle this. You know, it, takes, it seems to take men a point where they are literally making life-altering decisions before going, fuck, I need help now. Like, I really need help. And I wish I'd addressed it five years ago because I knew... I know where this started or I know where this has come from, but look at me now. I don't know how we get yeah. that change. It's as simple as that, I think.
2: One way, I mean, it's beyond us. Well, maybe it's, I think it's beyond us, but one way that I can say that it was helpful for me was I didn't know um, in advance, um, which seems really stupid in retrospect, but I didn't. And it was, uh, I was living in an area where it was the policy of the health board that GPs would ask Versions of questions on the—I yeah. uh, can't remember the name of the the test, but you know you, whether you were asked the do question. You, do you remember the name?
0: No, but I know the test. Like how, <laughs> how how often do you feel sad? Yeah, or, or yeah, how, exactly. How well the DSM.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's one of the DSM tests, and you know you, you when you're going in, you you, know, you fill this out. But here it was whatever whatever a person came in for the GP was was supposed to ask. Uh, at, at two or three of those questions and if the responses were in a certain direction, go on. And so I went in and just I was talking to a GP about I was, I was ill, you know, I had a virus. Um, and she was asking these questions and she was at the end was like, "And you have scored like you, you're very highly on this test, so you need to go and do this. And that just came out of a conversation and took me like blindsided me in a way. But I think, you know, any kind of checkup or any kind of help if there was, like, a, an indicator or a way to indicate in there, like, that would be a way to have those conversations when people may not be wanting to play something. Whether,
0: you, whether you're going to act on it or not or mm. brush yeah. it under the carpet or pretend that it's going to go away eventually, yeah. Yeah. Like, which, which, which ones of us would, if we heard an gr- awful grinding noise in the engine of the car, right, we'd say, oh, yeah, shit, something's wrong there, I'll Better give that, that a few years. Out. Uh, I'll no. give that a few years and see if it gets better. <laughs> no. You know,
3: you do something about it straight away, don't you?
0: Well, yeah, because you know it's only going to get worse, mm-hmm. and and the sooner you deal with it, the better. But but when it comes to our own gears grinding, we know we know it's happening. We can feel them shredding. Mm. We think somehow or other, if we just ignore it or drink or do whatever yeah. we, like we've talked about,
3: it'll mm. go away. Yeah, well, I because you know I've just started seeing someone again, and it was just you know it was. Pretty much, partner Claire, who pretty much said to me, "Go see somebody. You really need to because you're getting. I can see she could see all of the traits of when I get my anxiety and when I get really stressed, especially with work and things. It, it's just really bottling up. And there was no, you know, it's like if you don't go now and get some help, you know, this is gonna, this is not gonna go well. And and she knows that." That quite often she ends up being the brunt of it all because you know it's just you know just so in my way of anxiety that you know that I I just say stupid things as well at the same time and it's just because I'm just trying to get through every day you know every day is just a just a just a race and uh, you're just trying to get to the finish line every every day and it's just getting just harder and harder so you know she could see the triggers and everything coming so it was good to pull me up at that time ago yep okay let's do it get online now you know for me one of my things is I do I've got to do it right there if I wait to the next day or whatever it's it always you know something will always come up so it's even just that little bit of trying to get online just trying to see how I can make an appointment you know whatever as long as I know somebody's going to contact me then that's it. I've done it. I've, I've I've made that initial step forward to do it. So I've always got to act on something straight away, otherwise, you could just you know get go 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 on and on and on.
2: I'm yeah. nodding Nothing. very firmly in recognition here. <laughs> I <think> that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs>
1: Is it true for the rest of us? I think yeah. we're all nodding yeah. here, really. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. it's so important that your your partner can identify that and call you out on it.
0: Oh, um, man. You that know? Absolutely.
1: Because because I, I think about now, if I was starting to feel in a bit of a bad mental state, the thing I would be most scared or worried about would be telling my partner because I feel that she would get really scared and revert back to thinking about how bad things were at one point. Mm, so point. she, ever, ever since we... I, I got sorted and, and got this management plan in place. She's always like, please tell me whatever you're thinking, da-da-da, you know, tell me. But I know Man. how much I hurt her through that time and I want to try Man. and protect her through that again. So it's funny, the other day when I had that, that little burst of anxiety out in the yard for some reason, my first thought was, fuck, like, I hope I'm okay because I don't want to put my family through that again. And look, it, it was a five-minute fleeting thing for some reason. I don't know whether it was too much sunshine or whatever, and it, and it left. But yeah, the, <laughs> the real – I know if I said to my wife – now oh look i'm feeling good but i just want to check in with the shrink she would she would look into that a bit and think i wonder why like she'd have i done something wrong is he going to leave again and i'm not and i could reassure her about that but i just know mm-hmm. that heard i caused my family that i would feel i would like if she actually identified it and Went. you're acting like i can see some signals you should go and speak to someone i feel like that would be a really good thing for her and i'm sure she will if i get that bad again but i'd like to think i can identify within myself before i get her to the point to go something's off with you you need some help but mm. yeah i think that's it's a real thing that i fear so i'm wondering if there's a lot of guys out there who may have gone through a journey and then think shit i hope i don't start to feel off again because i'm really worried to my partner because i don't want to get her scared or my girl scared again or whatever so mm. yeah. yeah
3: they're good points definitely <clears throat>
0: So, could I ask, did you tell Tara about that moment of anxiety? No, I didn't. She'll probably find out now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, because no, they're I, listening,
1: I, guys. Yeah, yeah, they're listening. And, and look, um, oh, look, I'm sure it won't surprise her if I had a bit of a, a bit of a moment because I haven't had really any flare-ups um, for a long time. So, um, I bet I should probably get off the podcast after and let her know what I've said. But uh, Give <laughs> her a heads up. But no, but, but no, I didn't. And that was the reason... That was the reason why I did it. You know, it came and went, it was fine. There was no, there was none of the thoughts that there were two years ago when I went through it all. Mm. It wasn't like, I didn't know who I was anymore. And I felt like I wasn't bringing joy to anyone and that. It was purely just to think like, it's like I I, I sort of thought where I was and all the things that I'm probably doing well and thought, shit, am I actually doing as well in all those things as I feel like I think I am? Um, and that's all it was. Um, so that was fine. But, um, yeah, it was probably something I should have said to her. Hey, I just had this really weird, you know, hot flush of anxiety for some reason, but you know, I didn't, and that's the reason I didn't. So I think if anything comes out of this podcast, it'd be me getting my ass to her and saying, hey, I'm just <laughs> everyone on the podcast want well, know about that. Well, <laughs> uh, well, Claire, the first thing
3: Claire <laughs> asked me when I got that day, I saw her after the first session, and she goes, so what did you talk about at all? Cool. Hang on! <laughs> isn't this the whole thing that I'm going in there to yeah. talk to someone? And <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I spoke about you the whole time. That kind of shut her up a little bit. It's like, well, <laughs> it's like it's a world, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but isn't it interesting though that it may not be shame that's keeping us from talking to our partners about these struggles? It might be this sense of we don't want to hurt anyone. We don't want to cr- create problems that that you know we might be able to fix ourselves. We don't want to let anyone down. We want to help and do the right thing, and we're not sure we can, and we don't know what to do about that. So sometimes I think, you know, if I could say this, mums, it might be that your partner hasn't communicated with you, not because he doesn't trust you or want to tell you. He might be desperately wanting to talk to you about this, but he just doesn't quite know mm-hmm. how it's going to affect you or hurt you or, or, or you know, mess you up because he knows you're tired, yeah. etc., cetera, et cetera. So, You know, sometimes we we mean really well when we keep quiet. You know, we we have good intentions, and we're not quite sure what to do. Sometimes. Mm, Oh man!
3: Very well said. that's true. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we're recording it. I can take that I can write all that down later and <laughs> I'll use that. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. let's <laughs> <laughs> let, let's let's uh, let's bump over to the final question because this is a big topic in and of itself and we can spend as long as you want on this. I or or short, whatever. It's just this came in from um, I, I know this one was from a dad. Thank you for the Bean Mix podcasts. I love hearing other men talk about the things that can be sometimes difficult to talk about. My question is, what do you think about the term, or he he said the word toxic masculinity, and what should men do about it? Toxic masculinity. Well, here we are being masculine. Yeah. What do you think of that?
2: I can only say that as a term, I really despise it um and i think it's actually a pretty harmful term not for not necessarily for the men that it's being applied to but for the people who are applying it i think it obscures things rather than illuminating things i think toxic as a word like to describe anything as toxic for me that's just beyond the pale it's defeatism at its worst, it's like I really just want to ask people when they describe something as toxic, like do you really think there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing salvageable about this situation, this relationship, this person, like literally it is beyond all hope. It is toxic. It's polluted. And I just think I, I can't take that defeatism. Um, <clears throat> and as for the masculinity part, I think, I think it really just, obscures things like I just you know, you look I look at people who are described as being, you know, showing toxic masculinity and I think, is there not something else there that might explain their behavior? Is are we not talking about narcissism? Are we not talking about desperation? Are we not talking about insecurity, um, complexes? Are we not talking about something else other than the fact that it's a man? Like why do we choose the lowest common denominator that shows us what these supposedly toxic people all share, which is the fact that they're men, why Why is it that thing rather than the more particular things about that person, their context, their circumstances, that we should be looking to to really understand and then change, if we can, their behaviour? I think, you know, if you, you say, well, that's just another example of tos- toxic masculinity, you've kind of got blinkers on a little bit, you're not seeing the person for their complexities however distasteful that may be you're you're kind of impeding your own understanding i, I really can't can't stomach that that phrase at all
0: <laughs> just tell us what you really feel daniel <laughs> <laughs> don't hold back mate
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um yeah I, I mean i tend to agree uh, with daniel to a certain degree too i think it's um it is a generalization and and, you know, masculinity in itself is necessary to a certain degree. And, I mean, what makes one, one man necessarily more masculine in this sense than another? I mean, is it physical size? Is it, you know, his brain power? Is it the fact that both those men, one with a big brain power, one with big muscles, both don't want to talk about their feelings? I mean, what, what are they referring to when they say toxic masculinity? I mean, the biggest guy in the gym who looks like he could be, you know, size of the rock or whatever. He also could be the nicest, most caring guy in the world who Who has his mental health so in check and he tells everyone and promotes that. So um, yeah, I think if you look at what toxic masculinity or what I would look at what toxic masculinity is, it's probably the word masculinity isn't even the right word. I think the toxic aspect of, of, of what they're saying is that men don't talk enough. Men don't share their feelings enough. Um. I don't know how much that's got to do with masculinity as much as, you know, um, men maybe not feeling comfortable for whatever reason to talk. Uh, I said it before, I think a lot of guys do want to talk. Um, Maybe they don't have enough uh, of Mm. the support network around them to people they think they can trust, or maybe they just are a bit more stand-backish and they're waiting for a leader to sort of raise that. And then they're more than keen to jump into that conversation. But, you know, I, I don't think that, well, I don't think that masculinity or toxic masculinity is necessarily the issue these days. Um, I think it's. I think things are getting a lot better on that front, and I, I know a lot of you know bigger companies. They all have their EAPs, or employment assistant um, programs, or things like that to encourage everyone to talk. Um, so I sort of agree with Daniel. I think it's a really, it's a really, it's a, it's a bad term, and I, I don't think it's necessarily applicable to. Um, to men that don't want to talk about their their mental health. I think there's a lot more reasons why men don't want to talk about their mental health. It's not because they're all so macho when they don't believe in that shit. I mean, this isn't the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. We're not a post, you know, World War generation anymore where, you know, you were considered weak to talk about your feelings. It's out there everywhere. It's I think if you took a poll, majority of women would consider it to be masculine for a man to be open to talk about his feelings. You know, I think they would find that yeah. an extremely yeah. attractive yeah. quality. Yeah. You know, not, it's yeah. not like it was 60, 70 years ago. So I'm sure I think that's the, true. Yeah, I think yeah. the toxic masculinity view or the traditional view of what that was, that's that's dying out now and it's, yeah. it's, it's a minority. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I think you all summed it up pretty well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I know from... Chatting about this, similar with with Claire, and you know, I think we we see it now more. This sort of toxic masculinity is kind of like you know examples that we sort of see people like you know, just you know, we've had family situations before where you know some of the younger members of the family are we've been out and they've been drinking and they've been sort of encouraging you know, kind of the kids, you know, you know, sort of try to make it cool that they're all sort of just, you know, having a few beers and stuff and, and sort of making it a, a light-hearted sort of situation in front of kind of our kids. And, you know, I, we, I think we're also finding that sort of masculinity to be more offensive now than kind of what it sort of used to be. And it's, you know, it's that kind of examples that they're sort of setting onto the, you know, the younger kids and, you know, and, um, you know, even, you know, Lexa calling out Lexi, sexy Lexi, you know, even that we're now finding, you know, to kind mm. of, it's like, you know, So, like, well, well, why do you have to say, you know, well, this is not what, how we want to be raising our children sort of thing. So, mm. you know, it's even different versions of that now. I think it was sort of finding as well rather than sort of how it was always sort of perceived rather than a, brute, a strength yep. kind of thing. You know, I think it's even more in, in you know, mannerisms and things that, like that too now, you
1: know. Mm. So. I, think, I think that's a really good point, know, yeah. Oh, right, a really good example of, you know, the the dad sort of encouraging the, the younger boy to get the beer out of the fridge or yeah. and have a sip. And then when he goes, yuck, or whatever, and he goes, ah, oh, you know, man up or something. Yeah. I think that's a great example of toxic masculinity right yeah. there because it's it's affecting the younger generation to think they have to be a certain way. And real men drink beer and it's cool to be 10 years old and sip your dad's beer and things. And I think that has probably a lot to do with what our culture, particularly our drinking culture in Australia, and, and I think it's starting to... Change a little bit now which is great but you know the generations of like my dad and and those dads and who all all had yeah. dads that were alcoholics and things and post-war alcoholism and stuff and that that is a toxic toxic masculinity that, that's led to a lot of these guys to think well my dad said i have to drink beer and not talk about my feelings because that's you know that's what poofers do and things so i'm going to carry it to my kids so and, yeah. and sorry to use a bad term there, but that's how they used to no, talk exactly. but, yeah. you know and i think that's starting hopefully now starting to phase out a little bit and i think the next couple of generations it will phase out more but I think that's a great example of toxic masculinity at its best. Mm. Yes,
0: that's really good. I mean, the term came from somewhere. It didn't just pop up out of nowhere. Mm. And I think whenever a term like that hangs around for a while, there's got to be some kernel of truth in it. Like it was a reaction against, as I understand it, this notion of the alpha male who, you know, to be a good man is to be a certain kind of man, which Mm. has to be called out because it's not. It's not a good thing at all yeah. and um to call it toxic masculinity he might have got the attention at the time that it needed. but then, with any good term like that, it gets it gets it gets caught up in the language of the culture and then it becomes misused and misunderstood and abused, mm-hmm. and it loses its effect and it becomes actually counterproductive. So I think we may have reached the point where, for most of us, is not very productive. But I think it's a good. It's a good to me. It's a good warning. All right. Is there something? It, the word masculinity is useless to me. I don't know what that word means. But is there some? Is there ever anything toxic or unhealthy or unhelpful about what I say or do or don't say or don't do? And I suppose, in a way, to me, that's that's a that's a call out, which is useful. But um, I, that's been really good to hear your perspectives on that. That's. Um, I hope our. Questioner uh, found that helpful as well. Um, can can I, I
2: just can I just add something on there? Like yeah. when you get that kind of stuff, like <clears throat> you know, commentary and comments and things like that. Um, the thing that I find really helpful is is just pause the conversation and just ask for clarification. Ask someone yes. just to clarify.
0: What do you because, mean by that? Yeah. yeah.
2: Could you just? Oh, sorry, I didn't quite understand that bit. Could you just explain this? Because mm. once they have to like stop and reflect and repeat themselves, yeah. it yeah. becomes quite evident. And I would say, <clears throat> just to kind of put you in, in terms of toxic masculinity, I would say that that question takes the toxicity away from it, mm. that that you actually end up draining some of that, that stress and poison out of it and mm. can mm. reclaim the situation from
0: there. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And look, for those of you who are listening, we are really aware um, of, for many of the mums, the pain that has been caused by disharmony or or dysfunction in a relationship, and that maybe well. It may well be true that for you, a man has been a source of violence and um, mistreatment, and we're not belittling that or mm. pretending that that's not true because it is for many for many mums and um, it's true for some men as well who've had the same kind of experience from other men. But I think what, what we're trying to explore is the term because that was the question that was asked mm-hmm. and how we reflected on that and I, I hope you take that in that spirit and um, we wouldn't want to diminish any of that feeling that uh, or, or reality for, for some of you that, I, that we all know is true. And we would hope that each of us is able to... Um, you know, monitor and be the best men we can be and the best dads we can be. And I guess that's what we're trying to do. And uh, we know that for many of you dads, that's the same. So good on you if that's what you're doing. We, we call out the uh, the times when each of us has, you know, not lived up to our own standards or, or done the best we could. But we, but we also acknowledge that there are times when we have and we've done our best and we do our best and you do too. And a, and a shout out to let's say to Claire and Tara and Marnie, <laughs> who, who we know are listening and um, who kind of are uh, always present in these conversations because they're present in in the lives of, of at least you three guys there's no there's a ghost for me but the you know so a shout out to you ladies for the fantastic uh, contribution you make without actually even being here in this conversation uh, in our lives. Let's let's uh, let's let's wrap up with a. I heard someone say, "Gentlemen, shall we?"
2: Well, mm. I heard um, I heard Dino say at the outset that he was seeing a psychologist, a psychiatrist, mm. a
3: psychologist.
2: I think he's a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah that's. <laughs> We didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if that was going to come back up. Um, in the end, it did, but it really struck me when you when you said that and just said it. That was one sentence. I'm seeing a psychologist, yep. and we didn't pick up on it, yep. and it stayed with me. And then it, it. I heard you say, you know, that it, it was Claire who who said to you, um, you know, you, you should go and see. You should go and see this person. So, um, I, I was quite struck by just just that. Uh, from from those comments, there was this picture of of what it looks like when two people are on the same team and have each other's backs, and one gives mm. the advice and one listens, and and and, and act on it, and is now in a, a different situation. It was really nice mm. to get that little story in these snippets.
3: Yeah, and look, I think it yeah. has. Hey,
1: you've just done that. We'll
3: just- yeah. So yeah. I was just going to say that I think it actually has helped us that I have listened, you know, and I think it's made us two better yeah. as well because of that.
1: Wow. And and Dina, on that, do you think do you think Claire would have been a bit worried to say that to you? Like, I mean, people don't I mean, even if it's your partner, like no one likes to be said or I think your mental health you start to struggle with your mental health and you're like, oh well, well I'm fine. But do you think that there would have been some apprehension from her to go, oh I've been noticing this over the last week, I really want to raise it. I'm waiting for the right moment. Or do you think she just would have went, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know how bad it can get. So fuck this. I'm just going to come out and say it.
3: Yeah. I think it was more that second, yeah. On the second part, you know, cause she's just like, it's yeah. time. Yeah. Now I could, it's, I know all, I can see yeah. it coming and it's bottling and you really need to, to get some help now because otherwise this is going to go north. You know, It's just going to go away that we don't want it to go. And um, yeah. And just to pull us. Yeah. And it's already helped. It's been great. You know. That's good. And it's the stresses oh, of every all sorts great. of things, you know. So, yeah. So,
1: it's been good. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I heard Daniel say, um, uh, and this is something that just, it seems so obvious now that you said it, but it's something I never thought about. But when you said about it's coming to the Christmas time of year. Um, yeah, I heard that too. And you're saying it's just the stress that's you're starting to feel now um lexi i think is it lexi or ivy? Ivy. Ivy, sorry and about uh, ivy you're trying to find the right santa because she needs to try and lip read and he's got a beard and then you're like well maybe it's just something we might interest try and phase out and i'm like that's it's just something i never never thought about that 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 is someone's reality where they've got to try and avoid santa or you know find the right Santa for their family's needs. And I think it's just something that struck me a bit. So, um, yeah, mate, I think all the best on that. And it's a, yeah. that'd be a very hard situation because, I mean, you can't escape Christmas. So, yeah. yeah. There's
0: no doubt it's one of the worst times of the year for many yeah. of us. Yeah. And, um, you know, Kate and Mandy and I are doing a, a recording in a couple of weeks about just looking back on the year, but in particular approaching christmas because it is such a huge thing for many of us we seem to have lost dino so we're down to three beans and i'm not quite sure what happened there i don't think he uh stormed off (laughs) or anything somehow or other he's offline so hopefully he'll come back uh but in the meantime i'll just say uh look i've heard so many things in this last hour and a bit it's really hard to pick from them each of you have said some things that i just i I take notes here because that's me but um, okay, one I'll pick then, uh, Daniel. You you were talking about um, that question about how we uh, help our children to take notice of their mental health and not be ashamed. And you said you focus in on the question of how you're feeling, how your body's feeling right now, what's going on in your body. And I, I just that that is such a gem um, uh, of of insight, you know. Because it's true that our bodies carry so much of what's going on in our head, and it's a good clue as to what's going on there. But it's also a place where we can start. We can yeah. okay, what what's something we can do to make maybe make make me feel a little bit better or help that person feel a little bit better, and it's a perfect place to start. So I I really thought that was just a gem. Thank you for that. And uh, Kirk, you know you your perspective on the in you know in the workplace, on the on the uh, construction site is really useful to me, really helpful to me because I don't have much experience with that. And to hear you say, you know, that uh, most blokes actually quite happy to talk if if, if the conditions are right, if, the, if they're given a chance and, you know, they're not going to be laughed at or whatever, I really find that really hopeful because <laughs> mm. I wasn't sure that that would be true. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say it. I know it's not true for everyone, but it was nice to hear. Listen, guys, we're going to go. I don't think Dino's coming back. Sorry, Dino, when you're listening back to this, we had to sort of wind it up. We weren't sure what was happening. We hope you're all right. And uh, we hope it's just a technical glitch and nothing more. Um, Thank you for listening to us, you know, wander on for an hour and a bit. Um, we, We really like to talk about these things with each other because it's good for us, but we like to to know and, and to think that you're listening as well. Please give us some feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. Send us questions. We're happy to do this as often as you would like, and uh, we re- really think it's good for us to be doing it <laughs> anyway. So throughout November, men, don't be ashamed to talk about your mental health. Don't be uh, afraid to to talk about it with somebody, the right person, because if those gears are grinding, they're not going to get any better if you ignore it. Hmm. Anyway, thanks guys We'll talk again soon
1: Cheers Mm -hmm. Thanks guys Same time